Hey y'all, it's Sarah. Uh, just a heads up that Blair starts this episode with a pretty nasty but very also very funny story about poop. So if that's a if you don't want to hear that, uh, it does get kind of gross. So uh, if you don't want to hear that, I'd skip to about like five ten, five twenty. That be that puts you right in the theme song. Uh, anyways, enjoy the episode. Cool. <laughs> so what's up? Can I tell you a really gross story? We're going to pretend like this conversation is super natural. Super natural. Oh, my God. It's super natural. Oh, my God. You can edit it out if it's too disgusting. Um, okay. Uh, but so wow, I... Wow, Blair. What the fuck? <laughs> Could you imagine? I just, um, to, I just had to cut all of that. Oh, Jesus Christ. And now let's go, go for... Now let's... Let, let me tell the tamer story that happened to me today. Um, So I've been eating a lot of almonds recently, like uh, probably an irresponsible amount of almonds. Um, the thing is, like, I get it though. Like, I, I was, I was house sitting for my, pa- I was dog sitting for my parents a, co- a couple of weekends ago. Yeah, and my dad just had like this, like this, this, like you know, this square tub of almonds, mm-hmm. and I just like every single time I walked past it in the kitchen, just scoop. Yeah. Oh, but, go on. They're so tremendous. They're so good. Um, and so, and also it's like a good way for me, like I don't, sometimes I won't pack lunches for myself at work because I just don't have the time in the morning or the willpower yeah. in the morning. So uh-huh. it's just like, this is protein and it's like protein that doesn't need to be refrigerated in any sort of way. It just can be sitting on, with me on my desk and I can just munch, munch, munch. So I've been eating uh, a lot of almonds recently, which I hope is related to the rest of the story. Um, God, please, whatever this is going to be. Probably something about poop or pee. It is definitely about poop. Um, so I took a huge shit today at work, um, and I looked down, because, you know, we, we all, always examine our shits after we take them. We don't. We shouldn't pretend as a society that we don't. Um, yep. And it was like, like, I'm like so, a I need, Okay, I, I, I need to let you know, I have, I have... In, I don't know in my life if I've ever been more terrified than I am currently of whatever word is about to come out of your mouth. But this it's, poop it's, was so very... I, you shouldn't be scared. Um, it's because it's more confusing than it is truly terrifying. Okay. Um, it was like like a peachy color. Like, not like peachy. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a sandy color. Um, well, you know, you know what they say, Blair? <laughs> what? What do they say? Peach time. Oh, I guess they do say that. Um, it was, it was, so why I think it's connected to the almonds is because it is di- directly the same color of the inside of an almond. Um, but I was like, my poops are weird. What's up? And WebMD is like, you're dying. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want this to be the, cause it was like, if you have pale poops, it's, you probably have some sort of like, like alcohol based hepatitis or something and i was like i don't drink that much um <laughs> um uh or some like something with your gallbladders or something uh there's just one you just have the one gallbladder right just the one honest to god you point a gun at my head right now i i i, I couldn't tell you probably i, I, think, I think that's i think that's one of the organs you just have one of um, yeah Gall- gallbladder you get one you get one um and i was like and i was like trying to figure out if there was like a non-fatal reason for me to be having this problem but then someone else came into the bathroom and I was like I've been on the stall for like five minutes just being on my phone I didn't take five minutes to shit so don't worry about that um and uh someone else was came into the bathroom and I was like okay I have to leave because uh sometimes I just go to the bathroom to not be at work and just fuck around on my phone uh so trying not to do that uh so 
I never really came up with a reason why this would not be a fatal disease that I'm having, and I haven't Googled it since, um, but I'm hoping it's just because I've been eating an irresponsible amount of almonds, and I know if you eat a lot of one food, it really like affects like your whole stomach system, and not yeah. even like in a n- negative or positive way, if it's like like a legume. Legumes are like fine, I think. I think you can just eat nothing but beans and probably be okay. Um, yeah. uh, I think science backs that up. Um, yeah. But so, so I, I just want to say, I'm not going to edit that out. I am going to throw in a warning, just being like, hey, if you don't want to hear Blair talk about a dump he took, just like, go ahead and just like, skip like five minutes to. ahead. It's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, fine. Yeah. You're not missing too much. No, uh, no, 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 no. Um, I like, I kind of love talking about my bowel movements, but I know it's deeply inappropriate to do, you know? And I really want to talk about this movie also. <laughs> okay. 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 We can get into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Love Letter to Yourself podcast? I guess. Okay, if we're going to get thematic about it, sure, yeah. Um, I, 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 We're going to get thematic of, uh, in this entire bitch, but just so you know. I, I took a lot of notes for this movie, none of which are plot related. So I'm going to need you... I, I, I've seen this movie enough times. I think I got the order of events about right, but I'm going to need you to steer the ship on that. I will do my best. Um... But we gotta, we gotta, before we get into that, we gotta talk about upcominghorrormovies.com. Well, let's introduce ourselves first. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm Sarah. And joining me is, joining me is uh, disgraced former host of the podcast. (laughs) I've been canceled. (laughs) Blair was canceled. Um, He's too too funny, all of his critics say. Too hot for TV or (laughs) podcast. Um, but I'm yeah. uncanceling myself to to reprise this role. Reprise? Reprise? Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce that word. I've only seen it. You, all three of those are right. Whatever the fuck you just said. I wasn't even paying attention. Um, cool. Yeah, Blair's back uh, mm-hmm. to get us ready for... Schlocktober, baby! <laughs> um, should we put um, air horns in the Schlocktober theme as well? Oh, that would be great, too. <laughs> Sada, I hope um, you're listening and I hope you're taking yeah. notes. Yep, uh, better jot those down. Um, yeah, but, uh, is coming up around the corner. Um, I think we ought to give a little bit of a teaser of who our first guest is going to be and what our first guest, what our, what our first movie and guest is going to be, but we're going to save it to the end of the podcast, get you to listen all the way through. But for the, for the uninitiated, for those who may have picked up the podcast within the last, within the last year, since the last Schlocktober ended, Schlocktober is our, uh, annual celebration of every, of bad horror movies. We mm-hmm. love them a lot. And we have a bunch of guests on to talk about 
these off these god awful piece of shit horror movies. Yes, and we also streamed them. Uh, yes, and thanks to the help of a new app that has sort of supplanted Rabbit, which yes. uh, what was it called? Uh, I think it's uh, Let's Glitch.io. If yes, I let's glitch. Correctly. Let's. Uh, I believe it's let's glitch. Out. I, yeah, I think that sounds about right. Um, that is the app which we will be using to stream it this year because Rabbit uh, kind of bit the dust in what earlier this year. Uh, halfway through this year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Rabbit, but there's been so, there are some spiritual successors, and this is one of them. There's unfortunately no voice chat, so Blair and I will not be able to communicate over the movie. No color commentary, but that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be in the chat. Yes. Um. We so will. we'll post some links. We'll post a couple of links when we're going up, and that's going to be on Friday nights uh, for the most part. Yes. Um, we'll let you know if that changes. But anyways, uh, fuckupcominghorrormovies.com. Oh. We're getting into the shits on this. Oh word, yeah. Let's do this. I mean, upcominghorrormovies.com has like nothing on the front page. Like, okay. The most interesting thing is Jurassic Park, Jurassic World three. Sorry. And that's just to say that Laura Dern, Sam Neill, and Jeff Goldblum are back. Have I told my Jurassic World 2 story on this podcast? You went to see Jurassic World 2, huh? Um, so Pride of 2017, I think, or 2018. I can't... 2018, because I didn't go to Pride last year, and it was the last Pride I did go to. I got um, too drunk way too early in the day. Um, there were... There was a bar that you had to pay like a $5 cover on and then you could go in and out anytime during the day and it had a bathroom in it. So me and my friend um, were like, okay, let's do that right now. And we also got a free drink with our cover. Um, so we started getting, like we went to the, we went in there, we went to the bathroom, we got a drink. Um, and this is like at 10.30 or 11 a.m. Um, and uh, we're like, okay, okay, cool. One drink was good. Let's do another drink, and then we'll we'll then we'll actually go through the day. So we get another drink, um, but we had not barely eaten anything all day because this was very very early on through the day. Mm. And um, I'm gonna say this this what I'm describing right now um, sets the trajectory for the rest of the day. Um, uh, uh, I don't remember a lot of it. Um, by the end of it, uh, I think it was around 4 p.m. I was in a very, very nice pizza restaurant we have in the Twin City. Shout out to Pizza Luce. Um, uh, I ordered a pizza. I got sick in the bathroom. I ate the pizza, and then I got sick in the bathroom again. <laughs> you just, you literally just flushed $20 down the toilet. Yeah, yeah. I, well, no, I ate half of that, like $10. I had another half of the pizza. Okay, left. you flushed $10 down the toilet. Right, 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 right. Right, you're not, you're not, you're not as big as I am. You cannot just eat a whole fucking pizza. I mean, man. I did eventually, just not, just right then. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I, I, like, if, I'm saying if I order a pizza, I'm eating the whole fucking pizza within an hour after I order the <laughs> um, I probably could have under different circumstances, but I was, I just had so, my so tie this into the Jurassic World. Okay, too. I'm getting there. So my friend worked at a movie theater at the time, um, and she drove us to the movie theater she worked at. I don't remember getting there, but I do remember being at the movie theater with my box of pizza in my hand. We snuck it in with her purse. Um, so I'm like at the movie theater. I was like, I know this movie theater. I have pizza. I I know Emily. She's right next to me. I know what's going on. Everything's gonna be okay. We sat down for Jurassic World two, um, and throughout the entire thing, I was like, okay. I'm way more sober than I was earlier. I'm, like, retaining information. Like, I'm processing the events of this movie. But I can't really tell if, like, this movie makes sense or if I'm just, like, really overestimating how sober I am. Um, 
And then I watched Jenny Nicholson's review of it afterwards, and it turns out I was just still like half blackout drunk during the entire movie because there are few, there's entire plot threads I don't remember. From the movie. <laughs> oh, ain't that the ain't that the funniest thing in the world when you're like, yeah, I think I'm pretty sober, and then you wake up the next morning, you're like, what the fuck happened? On the flip side of that, um, Seda, um, uh, co-host of The Wonder Yerks, was in Minnesota uh, recently. Uh, last weekend, and we all went out. Like me, this 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 woman I went like went to Pride with in 2018, and she's my roommate now. Um, we all went like out partying in Minneapolis, um, and somehow, so I'm the chronic blacker out. Or like, you give me two drinks, and I'm gonna not remember parts of the night, and that's just fine for me. I'm just okay with that because I'm always with people. Um, uh, but I was just drinking beer all night, and uh, afterwards, like the day after, my roommate comes up to me and she's like. I don't remember getting home. And I was like, really? Because you gave the Uber driver directions the entire way there. You were like, oh, no, this way is more efficient. And you seemed totally with it. And she's like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and there was, like, a whole conversation I had with Seda where I was like, keep complimenting me. Tell me how I'm your best friend and stuff. And they would. And they were like, yeah, I don't remember doing that. And I was like, good, because it was like a huge ego trip for me. And I don't need you to actually process the fact that I asked you to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. We have to get into the movie, but I just wanted to tell those stories. Okay, Dennis, uh, let's get into the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Don't call me that. Okay. We watched Paprika this sorry, week. Not, sorry, to out, sorry to out your fucking kin. I'm not kin of Dennis. I'm not kin of Dennis. I'm anyways. kin of Trist Valentine. It's totally different. Anyways, this week for Fear Baiting, we watched, um, I called it one of my favorite movies of all time, and I think it just genuinely, like, is my favorite movie of all time. Like, mm-hmm. there are other movies that are up there, but, like, this one's just out. Like, I've seen this movie so many times, and it's one of those ones that, like, I I, I, I always catch something new every time. Like, I, I wrote an essay on this movie back in high school about It versus Inception, comparing the two, and um, which was, uh, if you don't know, is because it, it, uh, Christopher Nolan has not uh, expressly stated as such, but it is extremely obvious that uh, parts of Inception were lifted from Paprika. Wasn't uh, he the one who actually did own up to... Uh, I had thought that I had thought that previously, but um, he had not really said either way on it. Okay. Uh, Aronofsky had outright denied it. No one okay, yeah, hasn't that's really right. said anything. And, and Aronofsky is way more direct. This is yes, absolutely. This is right. This definitely ha- this definitely has some of the moments you can, some moments you can point to that you're like, oh yeah, that's about the same. Like that scene in Inception where uh, Ellen Page like touches the like does the br- touches the glass on the bridge and it, and it shatters. shatters. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that's. That's almost that's kind of lifted from this movie, like conceptually, not right, shot for right. shot, like a lot of the Aronofsky lifts are. Right. But um, I digress. I I've seen this movie uh, 10, 15 times, maybe. Oh word! Um, I I love this movie so fucking good, much. Yeah, um, yeah. I got it on Blu-ray a couple of months ago, and I've watched it like three times since then. Tonight being one of those times. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this movie. It's I, and I'm noticing a different thing every time, a different thing that's like making me perk up, making me realize something that Satoshi Kon snuck in there, and it's I I just love this movie so much. It's truly tremendous. So this is my first time watching it, and uh, I said if, I said like two years, but I think it might have been longer than that, mm-hmm. um, because uh, I was like. I remember the last time I watched it, I fucking didn't understand a single thing that was happening in this movie. Um, but I think it was because I wasn't paying as much attention as I was this time. Yeah. Um, 
and there's a lot of really complicated plot threads in this movie, but I'm glad I like sat down and actually like committed to like laser focused on movie. Yeah. Um, because yep. there's the thing, a lot the thing, to be gleaned from this. The thing about um, Satoshi Kon that uh, is that he does a lot of mm, not non sequential. I guess non sequential is the right yeah. word, but that kind uh, yeah. of. But he does like some sort of non sequential editing to tell to tell something mm-hmm. like the, the the thing that I, I and I'm, I'm I'm cribbing straight from uh, every frame of painting Tony Zhao's video series. He did a video on Satoshi Kon and the edit and his editing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he point he points to the shot. The shot it's like thirty uh, like fifteen minutes in the movie when uh, when Shima the the short guy uh, goes goes fucking sicko mode and jumps out of a window. Mm-hmm. Because the way that scene is edited is that he jumps out the window. You see him, like, hanging in the air for a split second, silhouetted by the sun. And then you cut to this, like, bizarre dream. It's a dream se- It's eventually revealed to be a dream sequence. But for, like, right. a minute, you just see, like, this bizarre parade. Right. Stum- stumbling through some, shumbling through, shumbling through some desert. And then, like, not until two minutes after do you see a... You see, like, a single shot of the broken window, like, a tree beneath it. You see Shima's lab coat, like, drift off in the wind. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a single line of voiceover that's, like, yeah, I guess it could, it could have been worse. And yeah. that's that's it. That's how yeah. they explain that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really easy to lose a lot of stuff in the sauce if you take your eyes off it for a minute. Because there are things that are explained in one or two sentences. Like, yeah. Like uh, I like the the whole like uh, the part about the anaphylactic shock that the DC mini causes is we're I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's okay. I do before we dive into the meat of it. I do want to say that as I was watching this, I was yeah, it has also been a grip since I've seen Inception, but I think I do remember that movie better than this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was comparing it to the level of complexity in this movie. I was comparing it to the level of complexity in Inception, and Inception's complexity is very linear. Um, there's just layers. Um, whereas this movie's complexity is way more, um, fluid, fluid, definitely. And like, uh, just tangled. Like, yes, absolutely. There is, if there is like, you can't really kind of apply, like this movie makes logical sense, but you cannot apply logic to it. So at least not, um, like. Like, like if you, our if world you, if you logic think, to it. Yeah, if you think about this movie, too, if you think about this movie too hard, it doesn't fall apart. It just gets kind of like you. If you think hard enough about this movie, you reach a point where you don't have answers for because you don't live in this world. Right. Whereas uh, Inception, whereas Inception feels like a bit more like a closed circle, and the complexities of Inception come like the 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 com the the complex the complexity surrounding Inception, quote unquote complexity, was really just that it was. A it, it 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 was it was always called like a thinking horror movie or not horror a, a thinking action movie sure when it's just like it just kind of like that you just kind of had to keep track of things right and, and the things were very telegraphed and everything and I remember quite liking uh, concep- uh conception inception <laughs> um, I like inception too I don't like I, I don't but, like but I don't it. yeah I think um, they're doing it's too in- long. That movie is doing something completely different than this movie is. Yes. And did you say it was too long? Very much so. Which is what I, so when I like popped open this movie, I was like, fuck, this bitch is 90 minutes, like a perfect 90 minutes. Yep. And I had just finished watching Endgame with my roommate, which is a Ugh. whole three hours long. Um, I did it for her birthday because I love her very much. Um, uh, and I was like, man, 
This is, I think we forget as a society that 90 minutes to maybe two hours is the perfect length for a movie. Like, we are truly getting excessive at this point in our life. I saw the director's cut of Midsummer, and it fucking suffered for, like, that extra hour of content that's in it. Um, I mean, that's that's true of, like, Ari Aster is best with an editor. We've said it before. I think. Yes. I mean, like, I think that, um, I think A New Hope is the, that is the max. A New Hope is 121 minutes. Yes. And if you do more than that, um, you should go to jail. <laughs> well, you, we should just be, we should, we should not be, I think. We should not be striving to exceed it. If your story exceeds it, that's fine. I'm, I, I'm saying all this. I'm probably going to go see the Robert De Niro uh, Irishman movie, which is like five hours long or what the what? fuck ever. No. Well, um, you are a stronger woman than I. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, 90 minutes. Um, yes. This is Paprika. We yes. open with... One of my favorite opening lines in movie history, which is the fucking the little like the little fucking RC car rolling up to the center of the of the circus, and like some clown hopping out and saying it's the greatest showtime, mm-hmm. and then all of the all of the circus music kicks in, um, like the the one of three songs in the soundtrack that does not use Paprika's leitmotif. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna. If you if you listen to the Perfect Blue episode, I kind of went on my shit about this one. I'm fucking back on my bullshit with this. With this, I mean, movie. I totally I have... expected that. You were such a like so... Satoshi Kon fangirl, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the mu- music is, I mean, mu- famously the music is fucking incredible. But I felt yep. like I didn't really register how much like like it like hit me in the chest, and I was like, oh my god. The music for this movie is so good. <laughs> yeah. Susumu, I've said it before and I will say it again. Susumu Hirasawa is a visionary composer. He is absolutely phenomenal at what he does. And I think that his work on other movies has been stellar. I loved his soundtrack for Tekken Kinkrete. I have heard good things about the Berserk soundtrack. I think Susumu Hirasawa and Satoshi Kon were a match made in heaven because mm-hmm. they both played on these liminal spaces and I rewatched Millennium Actress for the first time in a long time because I could not find that movie legally until it came to the States via a Fathom event, which and it's now available on Amazon streaming and it's getting a Blu-ray release. Cool. But Hirasawa's music just kind of lives in that like dreamlike state. And like there are there were moments in this movie soundtrack that I definitely heard like notes from the Millennium Actress soundtrack. Right, right. Which yeah. I, like, like there is there is a moment in particular that I'm going to point to, which is um, actually I'm not going to because it would require such a specific knowledge of Susumu Hirasawa's soundtrack to <laughs> to Millennium Actress that I don't think you or really anyone listening to this would understand. So I'm going to shelve that one. Yeah, save it for your Medium.com article. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely coming. <laughs> um, but we open with this clown car, with this lady jumping out of the clown car. It's the greatest showtime. And the circus starts. Bah, 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 bah. Sorry, I need to backtrack for two seconds. I know we're at the start of the movie, but I just want to say I love so much the little jazz sting for the Madhouse logo. Me too. I noticed. So I had to rewatch this movie a couple, like the big, first like five seconds of this movie a couple times because I, for some reason, really struggled to find one with English subs in it. Um, so every time it's like, oh, this is a little, little jazzy. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. I, love, I really do love it. It's, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Um, but, um, so we get, we, we meet this, we meet our cop, we meet, uh, we meet, uh, Inspector Konakawa, mm-hmm. who is investigating the circus looking for someone 
or something. He's looking for someone. Yes. Uh, and then some fucking dream shit happens. The ringleader of the circus teleports him into a birdcage. Everyone in the audience has his face. And then suddenly he's just kind of like... The, the, um, uh, he starts falling from the ceiling and Paprika, the titular Paprika shows up on a trapeze and says, grab my hand. And then they just like kind of go through a, a, a like, a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, what's that part? What's that part at the end of a musical where they do like a bunch of different, a, a bunch of songs in the musical composed and compro- a medley, medley. Yes. A yes. medley of a medley of different movies. Um, we get like, uh, we get like Tarzan, we get like some spy thriller, we get a romance movie, we get, um. We get these, and then Konakawa chases this this mystery figure that he that is like kind of present in all of these little like five to ten second vignettes. He chases him around a corner, and then suddenly we are in a hotel hallway. There is a body falling to the floor, and there is uh, the man he was chasing exiting out on the far side. Um, Konakawa starts to run, and the floor like crumples up on him. And there is a thing that I one of the things I didn't notice in the, any of the last times I watched this movie. Is that there is a you? If you listen closely, you can hear like the sputtering of a film of like a a, a projector. Very like, kind cool. Of yeah, you I can, totally hear, missed that. You hear it later on, way more clearly. But in the in mm-hmm. this very first one, and I think the the way that the like it's very. If you think about like this this entire scene, the way that like the the hotel like crumples up on him as he runs, like it very much looks like what would happen if you tried to like actually run on a film reel. Because eventually like, it and crumples it, it, up, it folds, and it like he falls into this white space. Sorry, go on. No, I'm saying it does it does that absolutely, and it does double duty as well as really articulating this this movie really understands dreams, um, yes. uh, and it understands the futility of movement within dreams. Yes, um, and I feel like when I was when I was watching it this time, I was like, yeah, dude, that's exactly how it be. <laughs> Like yeah. it is like that sometimes, but it I really think, do, yeah, yeah, uh, but definitely do- doing double duty there um, thematically mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, yeah, um, it's a really strong and weird opening to this movie that I've always kind of loved. Like the mm-hmm. first, th- this entire movie is great, like top to bottom. But I, I really love the way this movie starts. Yeah. Um, but we we wake Konakawa wakes up and is like, oh shit, okay, I was dreaming. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Uh, and Paprika is there next to him, and they've been dream they've been dreaming together to try and figure out what's up. Why, why is Konakawa's brain so fucked up? Right, right. And they can't really figure it out. But Paprika introduces this DC mini, which I've always been enamored by the way she says it mm-hmm. the first time. Just DC mini. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and which is just some like tr- some t- some transportable version of a device that they that she uh, that it's revealed that she in like two seconds it's revealed that she had built with her team that lets people enter other people's dreams yeah uh it's interesting i think this so it is revealed soon but it um there is that moment of time so she's like the dc mini it like allows you to traverse dreams with other people and also record them um she gives him her business card essentially um that has like a website on it that'll become important later Mm-hmm. Um, and then Radio we have, Club JP. Yes, and then we have. Um, I guess it's telegraphed, but not explicitly. Um, when we see Paprika in a car, and then like passes well, another car, and then we have. Yeah, um, it, every, like there's a cut, and uh, Paprika changes to this woman with black hair, uh, whose hair is blowing in the wind. And then the, there's another cut, and her hair is tied up neatly in a bun, and she's like formally dressed. She's wearing like a, a pencil skirt and things. But we're skipping over. A, we're, we're skipping over a really important part of oh, this the, movie. Oh, the really title remember. credits, basically. Yeah, the title credits. Yes. Yeah, the the op- the opening to this movie, which is 
this is it's iconic like, def- to say the it, least genuinely iconic like i think some of this is some of just like this is just a touchy cone being like all right i'm over, i'm about to go fuck i'm about to, <laughs> i'm about to fucking go ape shit yeah for just 90 seconds i'm gonna do my shit susumu hirosawa's mediational field is gonna play over it it's this the, it's the, it's not the first time you hear Paprika's leitmotif, but it is the first time it is like at the center of it because there, during that medley of all the film things, you like the song that's playing is does have the leitmotif. You know what I'm talking about. You know yeah. the leitmotif I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. The boa Um, and it's, it's gorgeous. I love it so fucking much. It, it just, it's just so full of like fun little like editing things and fun little like transitions that you couldn't, that you couldn't do in physical media. Mm-hmm. And, um, my, I think my personal favorite is when, uh, Paprika is running through the inter- intersection and she snaps her fingers and all of the cars stop. I oh, love yeah. how, like, everything's, like, stuttering. Like, it's trying to move to the next frame. Well, that and... is also a very film that's, like, yeah, a yeah, exactly. I was Yeah, I was yeah. really about to say that. Yeah, just, like, yeah. stopping, the, stopping the projector, like, and it just, like, it jittering there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think it's really cool. Um, but, yes. So, yeah, Atsuko, th- this character who is uh, Chiba Atsuko, a, uh, and uh, I can't remember, what exactly is her role at the, at the, so Place it's, a, it's a it's a psychological like research facility. Yeah. So she's okay. just sort of like a doctor there, you know? Like she's got her fid, um, funky fresh for PhD, um, and uh, she's just kind of doing dream research, I guess, for like therapeutic purposes. Um, mm-hmm. They talk about um, uh, the DC mini. Uh, as like a as like a way to help with like mental illness like and therapy and stuff um uh the uh the not the chairman but the one of the people on the board shima shima like later in the movie they like have a conversation just like yeah you helped me with my depression like doing this so it's obviously useful um and so like this has practical purposes beyond this but what it's being used for right now well first of all it's been stolen which is the first problem second of all um uh it's being used for like terroristic purposes i guess yeah um invading people's dreams without their permission and also we don't we don't see we don't see the we don't see that happening because first at the start we like they're hypothesizing about they're trying to like because we meet we meet the other character who i genuinely love the character of Tokita so Me too. much. I really do, yeah. I, I, I think that I think that Satoshi Kon strikes a really cl- careful balance with him, which there are jokes where uh, there are jokes about him that would not work if he was not fat because he is a very fat character, but the jokes don't really ever feel like they are at the expense of him being fat to me. And it just seems more like just people being assholes really than what the narrative is saying about exactly, him. Exactly, yeah. And Tokita um, gets Tokita gets to be such a, a Tokita also has some of the most impressive animation work applied to him in my totally, opinion. Totally, yeah. Like absolutely. that scene at the diner where he's like just eating a bunch of things. Like I love the little like the two second animation of him like shaking off the chopsticks, breaking up. It's just it's it's wonderfully animated in a way that fat characters do not get animated. Totally, totally. Um, uh, when I, when I was watching this, I was thinking this movie has a lot to say about bodies and what having a body means and like the 
the inherent difficulties of existing in a body. Mm -hmm. um, we'll get into it, but I think um, he is one of the he's the most immediate examples of that. You know. Well, the chairman though. Well, we see the chairman slightly after him. I would right, say. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. You might. Yeah. The first one. Yes. Definitely. Yes. I thought you might. Thematically, at the he's the chairman is um, has a much bigger part in this, but I yes. think um, he uh, uh, Toki. Tokido is um, a, a major thematic player in this as well. Yeah, but um, so Shima Shima calls Atsuko and uh, Tokida into the into his room, and we're like, all right, we should probably uh, try and work on a solution to this before the chairman finds out. And th this is the first time that you hear the creepy music that plays at like all the other really scary junctures, mm -hmm. and. You you only hear it when they're outside the room. They they don't like once they get up to the door itself and open it. They the music stops, but the chairman is in there, and I thought that was really funny. Or, oh yeah, I don't know, not funny foreshadowing. I guess sure sure sure. Um, um, the chairman is so interesting as like a trope. He's I mean uh, Tokido is also very tropey, um, but the chairman I feel like I've seen this exact character in a million other media's. Um, mm. He there's a character in Deadly Premonition that. Not exactly, but just like evil man in a wheelchair. Um, mm -hmm. As I mean, it's there. It's also very Lynchian in that sort of way as well. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, like Blue Velvet, I think is there's a very similar character there as well. Mm -hmm. um, but in any case, uh, it's tropes. Tropes are important in this movie. Yeah, we yeah. we meet we meet the uh, we meet the uh, the the chairman um, mm -hmm. who I don't think is ever given a name. In the movie? I don't think so. No, He's I don't think so. Just the chairman. Yeah. Uh, uh but uh you you hear this you they they like the chairman is like interrogating them and is like, So I heard the DC Mini got misplaced. Mm -hmm. I also hear there's a woman named Paprika, and they're like, We're working on it. There's, yeah. a really cool, there's a really good shot that I love, which is the first time that the chairman mentions the DC Mini, we get, we flash on Shima's eyes, which go let, which go like up and to the left, which is where Atsuko is standing. We get yes. a close-up of Atsuko's eyes, which go directly to the right, which is where Tokita is standing. Uh-huh. It's fun. And then Tokita follows, catches that gaze and just kind of like turns to the director and takes a moment to pause because it's like, I guess it's me. And then he yeah. starts explaining everything. Yeah. Um, but this entire scene is kind of interrupted because... Uh, Shima starts talking gibberish, and a thing I love about this scene is that it eases into it a little bit, and you kind of have to, like, check yourself and be, like, back up and be like, wait, how long has he been cohesive? How long has he been coherent for? It's because perfect word salad. It really is. Yeah, um, because, like, it, 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 like there's, there's a couple of things that he says, like, uh, upon watching this movie repeatedly, like, uh, there are a couple of things that he says that I'm like, I don't know if this is a thing that he's saying or if this is him, like succumbing to the word salad sure. um and then he just like wa walks around the room says some shit and is like all right uh all right <laughs> all right mr chairman i'm about to head out and jumps out the window yes um and then there's the thing we were talking about earlier where it like cuts to the parade and everything but um i don't want to go i don't want to just like overshadow the part of the parade mm -hmm. uh because the the parade is really fucking cool. It's really cool, and it's probably, if you've watched this movie, but it's been about half a decade since you've watched this movie, it's probably the thing you remember most strongly about this movie. Absolutely. Um, uh, 100%. Because it has um, the most iconic theme. It's, yep. It has the theme that you've heard probably a billion times after watching this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's 
because it's such such tremendous chaotic energy. Yeah. Um, and it true. I mean, it really encapsulates the nonsense that was being like aphasiaed out of uh, Shima's mouth. You know. Yeah. Uh, in in because I mean, like literally, what he was describing is on screen. Even though what he was describing is grammatically correct nonsense. Yeah. Um, like the those... happy and the happy and mundane world will vent their anger. The twenty-four right. bit eggplant will be memorized. The dream I had yesterday and today, etc., cetera, yeah. etc. Cetera. Yeah. Um, well, actually, think... he does. He doesn't say those last two things. That's said by the scientists that they later find. And the only reason I the only reason I remember those two lines in particular is because one of my favorite rappers, Milo, said that like has a lot like says those lines. The twenty-four bit eggplant will be analyzed. The dream I had yesterday and today in an album of his that I've listened to like countless times. Um, and I only ca- I only clocked it for the first time today, and I was freaking the fuck out about it. It's <laughs> very cool. But anyways, so we get this parade, and it is I think a really cool thing about the parade is the extent to which it squashes and stretches in like the same way that like a Western cartoon would. Totally, um, yeah. Which I think really sets it, uh, it, it. Like there's so much about this parade that's already setting it apart from the, the obvious like the mundane world, the real world. But I think the way that it's like even it's 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 animated in the same way with one major difference mm-hmm. like it, it is still like if you took a, if you took a snapshot of it it would not look like anything's out of the ordinary but in motion it is so that it is just bent it's like it's just existing in a constant state of a smear basically right because totally. like, nothing is nothing is ever on model everything is so bent and everything and totally. it's so cool it's just like this like this like oozing mass of just bullshit of just completely random bullshit just floating through this consciousness and it's so fucking good and, the, and then at the apex of it we have like a throne yes. filled with these chattering dolls mm-hmm. um uh, and atop so, and atop the throne is shima with yes. uh uh crown on and he's just like fucking he you know he he that the the it's been he's like completely this it's been an honor miss obama at the top of it yeah <laughs> just completely zonked <laughs> Um, I love chattering dolls. I think they're so goofy but creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm not. I'm not afraid. The dolls of, in this movie are so fucking creepy. Yeah, it's really effective. Um, I, it's the effect is slightly lost on me because of the parts of Barbarella that I've seen that has a similar thing going on. But it's Barbarella is not a good movie. Um, so, <laughs> so it's kind of. I'm, I was thinking about that, like the corniness of that versus the the genuine creepiness of this at the same time mm-hmm. um so that's fun for me that's just a fun yeah. thing that i enjoyed <laughs> yeah um i i i know i talked about this earlier about how cone does editing with the other uh, like the two second shot of shima's jacket falling off of the tree but i really do love how like you like when i first saw that movie i when i first saw this movie i was like that guy just jumped out of like a four-story building. How the fuck is he not dead? And then like there is this one second shot of just like a bunch of trees right outside the broken glass, and you're like, oh, right, okay, he right, just got right. Lucky. The, those trees were doing a lot of work, a lot of heavy yeah. lifting. <laughs> I mean, Sh- Shima Shima is like three foot six, so yes, and very dense, very yeah. dense. Short kings, keep your head up. Yeah, your your DC mini is falling yeah. off. <laughs> um. But they they uh, uh, they they look in his dream, and one of the dolls is fa- one of the dolls starts talking to them. It's 
and it, its face like contorts into this 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 other this like human face instead of like, just like being a doll face. Right. And we, the audience, don't know who it is, but the the characters immediately recognize it as Himuro, who is was a a, a basic uh, not understudy a lab assistant of uh, of Tokita's. Yes, a a, a progeny, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that he'd been working with, and they're like, "Oh shit! Okay, this guy stole it. This guy stole the D- the missing DC minis," and so they drive over to his place, and they're like, "All right, let's check this place out." And Tokita breaks in, which is he like lockpicks it, which is another thing fat characters don't get to do right. is be useful in like w- ways that are not like be in ways that are not just being big yeah they get you know they get to be a rogue <laughs> yeah and it fucking rules yeah yeah, yeah. and and atsuko is like isn't that illegal and tokita's like i mean what what himuro did was way worse yeah 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 um i i like tokita because like he has a sort of moral backbone but it seems to be very wobbly yeah um, He's, I mean, not he, to say he, that he's like cowardly in any. He's because he's not. He's not like a fearful character. But he no. just. He's like, okay, I'm gonna do good things because they make me feel good. But if something is like not morally good or not the responsible thing to do is more interesting to me, I'm also gonna do that. You know. Yeah, it's it's very child. It's very childlike in nature that goes along with like the entire character, and I think it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Like Toki does entire Toki does entire character is described by one of the character described by one of the other characters at one point, which is just a child trapped in the body of a genius, and like that is such a. That is such a succinct de- description of his character. Totally. Oh god, I love Tokyo so much. But they go in and they find uh, they find that uh, uh, Himuro had like scraped Tokita's face out of everything in his room, except for uh, a except for a cutout photo of him that he put onto an orange robot. Yes. Um. And like, there's a bunch of pictures where where Tokita had previously been, and there are just like cutouts where his face is not anymore they find himuro's like doll making stash they find his gay porn and then mm-hmm. uh atsuko uh is doing some investigating and she finds a hole in the floor of himuro's closet right i think this is also the first time we see atsuko and paprika interacting on the screen of the se- yeah 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 because uh in like the reflection of uh of it, it, there's like a they're they're like at a, a window like a, a balcony window and the, you can just see Paprika's reflection talking to Atsuko and she's like I, I don't know about this and Atsuko's like it's fine we're fine yeah and uh. they go into the hole in the apartment mm-hmm. and there's uh, an amusement park in there yes so uh, the scene is terrifying <laughs> yes it is um, it's it's not it's like a rundown amusement park. Well, not really. Actually, it's functioning. No, it's 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 functioning, just empty. It's yeah, it's it's and uh, on one of the like trains, um, Atsuko sees uh, one of the dolls that she saw. The little doll in, in the red dress. Yes, in in the dream as well, um, and so she follows it. She follows the train's not going very fast. She can keep speed with it, uh, just about, uh, just following behind a slightly, uh, and then she runs into the staircase leading up to the Ferris wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, that's blocked off by a grate, like a red, like, fence. Like, like, yeah, like a fence, yep. And she walks up to it, puts her hands on it, leaps over, and then everything, like, sinks, and oh. she is suddenly back in the real world, falling off of a building, and, uh, Osanai, one of the other guys wor- who works with her, is, like, holding on to her for dear, dear life, having just saved her from diving to her death. How scary. 
How scary, like truly. So scary. A lot of the a lot of the fear in this movie, which is I think we, we deserve an explanation we deserve to offer our audience an explanation as why we're covering a movie like this on fear baiting. A lot of the fear in this movie is derived from like a loss of control. Um, but I think we don't really get um an uh a direct interaction with it. We usually we get it a lot in the beginning, um, sort of uh, third person. Uh, mm. But this is the but first time. this is the first we, time we get first person. We have to directly contend with it. That yeah. um, even because because Atsuko is so used to being the one in control as like Atsuko Paprika as right. that like she is normally the one who's like helping to run the show. But now she is like this is like th- this is it's revealed later that this is like the 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 bad guys being like uh, this is like a warning shot basically, but like it's a really effective warning shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people might challenge our, our, our maybe not. We don't really get haters, um, but I think there's a there's a challenging of the idea of this movie as a horror movie. But I think it's more interesting to think of it as one than not. Um, I think I, I I mean there is just so much like genuinely scary imagery that I think it qualifies as like a a just like a horror of grotesqueness if nothing else. Sure, like, sure. Like take for example the entire butterfly scene at the uh, near the end of the movie. Take, you know, fucking uh this this scene that we just watched. There's um like that scene later on when Paprika fly like is in like the 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 hardened shell of of Himuro's corpse in the dream world. Yes. Like there is so much about this movie that genuinely that like I did not think of this movie until a horror movie until a couple months ago. I got really high and watched it at uh, my friend Caridwin's house, and I was terrified. I think that might have been mostly things. the weed, but I will allow it. Um, I mean, I was watching it now, and I was like, I was also on the edge of my seat for this one. <laughs> um, I think, I think it's, uh, I think it's not maybe not intentionally horror, but I think it warrants discussion here because um, it does examine fear, which I think is what we're interested in talking about. Um, I, think, because, I think it definitely... I, I personally think it crosses the threshold into horror. I, 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 I don't, but also... But I don't think it doesn't have a place here. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get you. We're... Yeah. We're, 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 argu- we're, we're arguing semantics at this point, I feel like. Yeah, well, I mean... Literal, I, literally, we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I have no issue with us talking about it, because I think... I, I would not classify this as a horror movie, but I think I would classify this as a... Again, a movie that examines fear... Um, and I if think you, if you had gone to your head, if you had to give the if you had to give this movie a genre, what do you give it? I would say like uh, like a surrealist adventure movie or something like that. Okay, I think it's the, the where where I understand you coming from is it is difficult to put genre on this movie because it's doing a lot. Like yeah, it's, it is. It's even even in, within the the genre is a theme in this movie, so that brings additional complications to yeah. it. So <laughs> no, Satoshi Kone, his brain is so fucking big. <laughs> but anyways, um, we go to the restaurant that we talked, we mentioned earlier with like the Tokita is just getting a bunch of food and they're just kind of talking about what happened, how it could have happened. And the conversation is mostly between Osunai and Tokida because Atsuko is obviously very shaken yes. by everything. Totally. The fact that she almost just accidentally killed herself. Right. But, um, they they get a call and it's from the the science center and and we're we are to presume that the call is that uh, 
Well, we, we, we get the call there. Uh, Atsuko looks concerned. And then we go back to the, the, the science building. And there are two people uh, just going like full word salad like uh, like Shima had been earlier. Way more unhinged, too, because they're like yes. covered. They're hitting people. Yeah, they're, they're hitting people. They're covered in cords and stuff. They've obviously like walked through things yeah. in a way that's causing a lot of destruction. We, and... we, la- we later get uh, a a hint that, uh, not not a hint, we later like see like a, a visual scene of just like the aftermath of that. Yeah. And it, it winds up with them being carried off in a stretcher and uh, you see like the, you see a bloody broomstick, which one of them had been carrying prior and you see like two very crashed, very mangled cars. Yes. Yes. It's a whole thing. And... Uh, so the chairman meets with um, uh, Atsuko and is like, we can't, nope, we can't. Yep. I know we were going to wait for a board meeting, but I'm the chairman, so I kind of get to do what I want, so we're shutting this whole production down. Yep. He uh, says, he said, the, the chairman has some of my favorite lines in this movie, which one of them being here, which is that science is nothing but a piece of trash before a profound dream. Yeah. Um, I, I think, like, obviously, Cone probably puts a lot of himself into all of his characters, but I think there is a, uh, I, 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 I think Cohen has put a lot of things that he truly believes into the mouth of the director. Right. Or of the chairman. And I think that's really good. Uh, we, we jumped around a little bit accidentally because we did not talk about the scene yet where Paprika goes into the dream world to save uh, uh, Shima. That's right. Um, so uh, we have that entire sequence. Um, and Shima looks worse for wear. He has basically got like dolls growing out of him or growing into yeah. him. Uh, it's It's... I think growing into him is more accurate, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, like, not coherent. He's not really being aware of his situation. He looks like he's totally on, like, a different planet. Yeah. Um, and Paprika, Fucking zooted. Right. Paprika, like, is, like, oh. Oh, geez. So she's a little doll with, like, a bonnet going on. And she, like, argues with some of the other dolls. That take on Humoru's face mm-hmm. temporarily. Um and they're just like saying some shit about how like the the this like the, they are it's just kind of saying some shit about how the the science team is like trespassing in the world of the dream. Yes. And how the 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 realm of the dream is the is where the dreams are strongest. Right. Um. But Paprika is like, uh, nah, hold on a second, and then like melts, like Shima recognizes her eventually. And she, like, melts into him and then makes him inflate to the size of a fucking, like, I don't know an accurate size comparison. He just gets... Yeah, like a huge balloon, like a hot air balloon. Yeah, Um, like a hot air balloon size. And then you... Yep. He wakes up. Yep. And then and then we see a really... A detail, another detail that I didn't notice, which, until this time, which is that, um... Shima has, thus far in the movie, been shown with really, really big eyes. Uh-huh. And, and then for the first time, after he's waking up from his, from his like, dream coma, he puts on, he, he, he wakes up and he doesn't have his glasses on. And we see that his eyes are actually really, really tiny. And then he puts his glasses on and then they're just, like, the, like the size of fucking, like, grapefruits on his face. It's tremendous. I mean, that's also another huge, like, visual trope, but it's one mm. I very much enjoy. I think it's very mm. good. Um, so you can yeah. see his glass. You can see that his glass. Like if you look closer, you can see that his glasses are like an inch and a half thick. Yeah, totally. Um, oh my god, we are going through this movie at a snail's pace. We have not hit the first. We have not even finished the first third of this movie. I kind of expected this to be a long episode because, <laughs> yep. um, 
me. But also me. Like, we both have a lot to say about this movie, I think. And there's also, I mean, it's a short movie, but there's a lot happening. Mm-hmm. It's very quick yeah, it's, paced. Like that's that's one of the benefits of Satoshi Kon's editing is that like he you, he gets details to you in the most efficient and short ways possible yeah. without ever sac- like as short as he can without having to sacrifice his craft. And there's just so much packed into this movie. Like when I when I first watched this movie and then looked at the back of the DVD cover and saw oh yeah that was 90 minutes I was like what the fuck totally. I mean I was having the same emotion when I was um, watching this because I was like I was just checking where I was at in the movie and I was like. Are you kidding me? Only like not in a bad way, but only thirty minutes have passed. This feels like right, an entire right, right. movie. Like when, when I, I, out of curiosity, when they return to because shortly after this, they um they so the chairman shuts down the DC mini and yes. they uh, and then uh, just by happenstance, uh, Atsuko happens to see something that reminds uh, uh, happens to see the back of Tokida's shirt, which has like a mascot for the park that she went into in Himuro's dream earlier. <clears throat> When mm-hmm. she almost jumped off the building. Mm-hmm. And then they head to that. And that's like 30 minutes into the movie. Right, totally. Um, Which is like, in my memory, that is like a second act, if not third act occurrence. Totally, totally. So they examine this whole thing. They're at the park and they're just kind of having a conversation about it. Um, and then they see the doll again. We mm-hmm. see, which is like, oh, that's a real doll, not just a dream doll. We see... Um, uh, Atsuko's hesitation as she's like yes. she grips the and the railing. She's like, Wait. this is one of the few, this is one of the few things that or not one of the few things. This is one of the things that Kon um, does really well in this movie that you can't really get elsewhere, uh, which is this like conditioning of fear around this because he is doing if if you compare the shots of the time that Atsuko almost actually jumps to her death and this time when she jumps just over the railing, it is like shot for shot, pixel for pixel, identical. Yes. And you cannot do, you cannot get that with real, you cannot get that without animation. Totally, yeah. Um, and it works, but she lands, she's fine. Um, yeah, she's cool. Except uh, Paprika's like, hey, look out. And Watch then out, we, because there's a corpse coming from the ceiling. Well, not a corpse, it not turns a corpse. out. Yes. Just a corpse, Just a human body just falling down. I mean, it's, ba- it's revealed that he's basically a corpse. Yeah, but he's, I mean, him being alive is important narratively for the rest of the movie. Yes. Um, because, uh... He yeah, so he's he's fallen down, and then we see something. So it's it's um, uh, uh what's his name? Uh, uh, Himuro. 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 Um, it's Himuro yes. who fell, which I think they both suspected because he's been they've been like, oh, he's the guy. Um, and then he, we see him face up, and then we see like, uh, like the tendrils of the DC, not mini. I think the DC proper. Um, no, I, I think it is the DC Mini. Yeah, um, crawling through his, like, flesh, like some sort of, like, body horror alien. Terrifying. So it's, he's like, worming like, underneath his skull. Yeah, so he's basically, I mean, yeah, I totally get it. Like, he's basically integrated with this technology that's, like, really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's obviously creating a lot of, cha- or not, creating or being used to create a lot of chaos because things get a little, from here on out, things get a little... Um, grayer if he's actually responsible because he's things continue to happen despite him not being even the least bit coherent about the situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get all of that. Yeah, um, uh, and this is when Konakawa has been called uh, the cop Konakawa who hasn't been seen for the last 30 minutes of the movie which is a long time to go without this character who is like ba- essentially the protagonist of this movie. Uh, like... Not not protagonist, but like secondary protagonist, I would say to to Paprika and Atsuko. 
He definitely has the uh, emotional thrust of this movie. Yes, 100%. What was I going to say? That um, Konakawa shows up and we... Uh, Atsuko enters the, and is like asking Tokita about the DC Mini. And um, Atsuko walks into the room and you get the 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 paprika paprika's theme leitmotif again. And just like this like... The, the song title, the title of the song on the soundtrack is actually a little bit uh, better. It's pretty descriptive of it. Hold on, I'm going to look it up to make sure I get it exactly right. Um, because the, 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 song, the, the song is titled A Drop Filled With Memories, mm-hmm. which is very much what that sound, song sounds like to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, uh, but anyways, so that starts, and Tokita is explaining the DC Mini to Konakawa and slowly getting like more and more scientifically complex about it, but... A thing I love about this is how animated Tokita gets. It's another it's another thing that I called attention to earlier, but like Tokita is so fucking like he's moving so much in this. He's talking with his hands, he's talking with his expression so much. And it's a level of expression that again, fat people do not get to have in movies. Totally. Like, like yeah, being allowed to I guess take up space. It's like physical space in a film, you know? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's really good. But um, uh, Konakawa, uh, Konakawa is more uh, concerned with the fact that uh, his his dream helper is suddenly in the, in the office with him. And he's just kind of like, he's like, well, he's suspicious. Because he, he saw Paprika, this is Atsuko, two sides of the same coin. He's suspicious and he's like, he like looks at her the whole time. He won't take his eyes off her. And then the instant that she makes eye contact with him for the first time in the scene, the music stops. Yeah. And then she's like, are you sure you're talking to Dr. Tokita? And he's like, uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> you, you were saying, sir. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, there's a, there's a whole um, encounter between... Well, we, uh, we, learned, we learned that Shima and Konakawa are old went friends. Went to college from, together, which yeah, seems fucking together. insane to me because Shima looks like he's good... 10 to 20 years older than Konakawa? I mean, if you compare the Konakawa that we see in this movie to the Konakawa that, that appears in the flashbacks, like, maybe he just I don't know. gracefully. He, okay, so Konakawa looks like he's 45, maybe 50. Um, uh, Shima looks Shima like looks he's... Like a, Shima's hard to age because he is, he is, he is, like, literally half the height of Konakawa. He looks like he's in his 60s, um, is my guess, but... You know, maybe he just didn't age super well, or maybe yeah. Konakawa aged super well, like the the reverse. Maybe he's just like the most. You know how you know how every cop ages extremely well. <laughs> Famously, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Jap- maybe Japanese cops got that anti aging cream. Uh, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. But yeah, they have a conversation. The chairman interjects, and Konakawa's like. That's paprika, isn't it? And and Shima's like, so what do you think about this case, buddy? Because Konakawa's been like trying to solve this murder, um, it, uh, like this that's pretty unrelated to the story writ large, except for it provides the imagery for his dreams where he is standing in the hotel in the hotel hallway. It is sort of like an emotional MacGuffin in a way. Yeah, where yeah, it's you, it doesn't like, really you know, matter, but it, yeah, it, it matters to propel the character forward. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what happens next? I can't remember the next, or I can't remember what happens. So, after so, um, I think 
so two things that happen around this time in the movie, and I can't remember which one happens first, is Konakawa logging into that website and like having yes. another interaction with Paprika. Yep, radioclub.jp, and we meet the uh, we meet the two bartenders who are one of whom is modeled after and voiced by Satoshi Kon. Yeah, um, I don't believe either of them get names, um, even like metatextually. Uh, so. Yeah, so we meet those bartenders. Um, this this whole section with Konakan was interesting, but I think it's not super plot relevant. So I think I feel okay with like sort of like skipping over it as long as. Um, so we, we 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 get an examination of like Konakawa's fear of fear of movies or reticence towards movies. It's really depicted as fear, but I think it's just some sort of like he doesn't really understand this anxiety that he has, so he just sort of avoids it, and that's kind of what this whole therapeutic thing is about um so that's that happens he shuts it down bad things it's very um gloomy i guess uh yeah. it's not very very hopeful but this does introduce like a another location that we'll return to which is mm. basically the, the importance of these sequences is like filling the world with like dream locations yeah. uh so uh concurrently um uh atsuko is talking to um um, um, Tokita uh, about uh, like she's actually like giving him a fucking earful uh, about how immature he's being about this whole thing because he's building another uh, many. yes uh, he's building another one she's like that's super irresponsible it's creating a lot of damage um, he, she knocks it off of uh, his desk like insults him a whole bunch um, and and like like, then, in fairness, then, he then seems Shima, completely unfazed by the whole thing because, like, he just lets her leave after the whole thing and just yeah. picks up what he's been working on. And he's like, all right, time to continue doing this thing that I was intending to do in the first place. Yep. Um, because, which, like, if, if anything, this this very obviously drove Tokita. For, like, Tokita, we find out that Tokita and Himuro were very, very close friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we kind of knew that already, but, like, we, we didn't really know exactly how close they were. But, um... With Atsuko, like, fucking screaming at him about this, like, Tokido wants more than more than he ever did before to be with a his friend, his only who he perceives as his only friend left because, like, he's not friends with Shima. He doesn't know who the fuck Konakawa is. Mm-hmm. Atsuko just fucking blew up at him and called him a bunch of names and basically was like, fuck you, eat shit, double, give you the double bird, deuces. Right, right. Um... And then uh, he's like, okay, I'm going to go chill with him, with Himuro in the dream zone. Right. I think because he is interested in like, he's like, well, I, I know this technology and I can get to the bottom of this. You know, like he does care about um, Himuro, but he's, I think he's more interested in understanding what's happening rather mm-hmm. than, again, um, f- uh, being motivated by any sort of like uh, moral thrust. Uh which is fine. I think that's a fine motivation for a character. I think it's a really good in- motivation for a character. Like um, I, this is this is all extremely internally consistent with the with the childlike way like with the childlike like he is not infantile in his mind. I don't want to like but like he has like a childlike way of reasoning and way of thinking that I think comes I I think it's really interesting how this character manages to be that without being infantilized it's interesting because i understand that reading but and it's obviously textual so maybe i'm just missing out on something i don't read his motivations as very immature i think um they're just 
disinterested, you know? I, but I'm but more, that, I guess that I, could I, be immature. I really don't I, know. I, I more read his read. I, I more read his his motivation here specifically as immaturity, as like he thinks he's king shit of fuck mountain. He thinks he can do this. His and he wants to help his best friend. Sure, sure. Like I, I think like breaking this down to its bare like it, I, I mean I, maybe that just happens to any character's motivation if you break it down to its bare essentials. But it does seem like childlike in nature, I guess. I, 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 yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, that's textual, so, like, I, I definitely think you're right. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, I think it's not, and this is probably why, like, it doesn't feel infantilizing, is because you see a lot of childlike narratives that don't feel anything like this. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, because it, it definitely happens in a more, it's definitely a different understanding of what it means to be motivated as a child. Yeah. Um, so, but and it's self-interested, but not morally interested. But yeah. not, yeah. So it's it's interesting. Um. Anyway, he gets into the dream. He's that little robot that he saw with his face taped onto it. Yep. I I love I love Tokita's dream robot. It's and, very and cute. It's very th- cute. This is one of the this is one of the few things where you can like literally see what I was talking about earlier. Like compare the Tokita that talks to the doll in this that he thinks is Himuro. Compare how that's animated to. How the Tokita that's been infected by the dream is animated later on, right? Like you know, you know what I'm talking about when they when 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 Paprika encounters uh, Tokita in the movie theater, right? And totally. He like does like the fucking like uh, like Looney Tunes wind up and just runs past her. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's but, way more naturalistic. He he's moving like he would normally, but he's just got robot constraints. Yeah. Uh, uh, so he has a conversation with Himuro who he thinks is Himuro, and then, like, they sort of, like, lecture him about this, and he's getting excited about it, because, like, that's right. Like, dreams are going to start creating. You're going to start... We're going to start creating infinite dreams. Isn't that exciting? Like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm learning so much about this thing I've made of, like, damn the consequences, I guess, but not really damn the consequences, because I'm not even thinking about the consequences. And then the um, scary music kicks in, and you're like, uh-oh. Yeah, but he, he realizes it, and not sort of... The thing is about to, uh, Tokida is that he's not... Again, he's not a fearful character. Uh, we don't. I think it would be very easy for him to also have a fear-based motivator, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, you don't really see him sh- in like shake in the face of anything, because um, no. like, even he, when he realizes like, he is, it's not like you, uh, uh, Himuro, he's like, "Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, I guess I'm gonna have to deal with that now." What have uh, you done with Himuro? Yeah. So. Um, he yeah it's i th- i think i think his 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 character is probably one of the most interestingly motivated characters yeah and also in in the face of everything else that's happening in the movie like just like yeah the fact that he doesn't seem to be fearful of his even though he like should be like he definitely should be cuz he's got the least grasp on what's going on um, and I, I, th- I mean, I think that I think that contributes to why he is not fearful. He does not understand the full ramifications of everything. He only understands it as it really pertains to him, and it's a very it's it's a sort of selfish way of thinking. And again, totally. not, not to go back to this, but it is a very childlike. That way of thinking. that actually, I totally buy. Like as I this was talking a, through a, that, I was like, oh no, this is what you mean. 
yeah, like this, is, like this entire situation is recontextualized within like the how exactly this pertains to him thing. Like when the DC mini gets when the DC mini gets stolen, like his first response is like, "I can make another one." Totally, like, yeah, definitely. He's not. He doesn't. He doesn't care that it got stolen. He doesn't care that it could be being misused. Not until someone points. He cares once it's pointed out to him. But like his first line of thinking is like, "How does this pertain to me? How can I fix this immediate problem?" And he does not see. He 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 figures out a solution to. The immediate problem, but not any of the complications that may result as a result of that problem rolling downhill. Right. Well, a complication is just a problem that'll face later, basically. Yeah. You know exactly. Um. So why bother with that now? So yeah. Um. And the reason, uh, uh, Atsuko, uh, fucking, I uh, just before this entire thing happens, Shima bursts in and is like Atsuko, and they go, um, what do they do while he's doing this? I can't remember, because they like have to go. Yeah, they go help Konakawa. We're back in Konakawa's dream again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of like, he's ta- he's still talking to the clowns around him, and they, instead of responding to him in kind like they did with the in the f- the first time we saw this scene, they are instead uh, reciting like uh, uh, film techniques at him. Like, yeah. Hey, you just crossed the line of action. That's 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 going to be confusing. And yeah. It's like, oh, this is pa- you need to do pan focus. This is too narrow. Yeah. Totally. And then the dream shakes out as usual. Uh, as usual, it, it you know goes in the birdcage. The floor falls out beneath him, but he just falls into an elevator where uh, Paprika is serving looks as Miss Jackie herself. Uh huh. Ooh, it rules. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it's yeah. So she's she's like talking him through this whole thing. We get another examination of like his like trauma and stuff. Um, it has to do with the number seventeen. That's thematically mm-hmm. appropriate. They go to that floor. Then he can't. It's all. Floor 17, the floor so that falls apart on him two. again. It's the exact same shot as last time, and I'm bringing this up because it is relevant later. Right. Um, it's another one of those conditioning things, like with the with jumping over the fence. Right. Um, and then we see this in a third person perspective, um, broadcast on a film. Actually, do uh, a couple times in this sequence, we see it broadcast in a th- third person perspective uh, on a film screen that is being watched by Paprika. And yeah, Paprika she's like, alone. Yep. And good she's job. Like, good job. And then, the, like, uh, we cut over the, the uh, we, we were a little bit out of order because what happens is, uh, Atsu- uh, 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 oh my god, Atsuko, stor- Atsuko, like, storms out on him, uh, on Tokita, um, and then we get this sequence, and then we get the whole uh, Tokita going into the dream and finding out it's not Himuro, and then we cut back to, like, this, where where Paprika and Konakawa are discussing some of the film terms. Like, she's like, so what is the line of action? And we get, like, a cool little, like, breakdown of what the line of action is. And what what is, what is pan focus? And it's just, it's really funny to me that, uh, and I've said this before, but it's really funny to me that there is a character both modeled after and voiced by Satoshi Kon himself... And yet the character that is his self-insert is Konakawa. Yeah. <laughs> like, the entire character of Konakawa is, like, it's just... Satoshi Kon, I think, just loved movies in a way that I don't know that a lot of directors do. Sure, yeah. Like, if 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 the other direct if other directors love movies as much as he did, then they certainly do not wear it on his on their sleeve as much because all of all of Satoshi Kon's movies are about movies in some metatextual way. Like definitely, yeah. Or or textual in this case, like the way that everything is, the, like um. Millennium Actress is a very good example of this. I think, God, you should... Have you seen Millennium Actress? I haven't. I've been dying it, to. It's on, Am- it's on Amazon Prime streaming now, so you can just watch it when the fuck ever you want. I really recommend it. Right on. 
Uh, probably never never going to cover it here because that is just a drama film. Right, right. Same with Tokyo Godfathers. Maybe someday we'll do Paranoia Agent, but that's a series. So that'd be a little bit more difficult. Yeah, it'd be fun, though. It would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just... This scene, like, this scene gets me every time. It's just... It's just the most pure expression of... Like, it just feels like Satoshi Kon steps into the movie for, like, five to ten seconds. Yeah. And is, like... Paprika just hey. gets to pick his brain, basically. Yeah. It's, it's so fun. good. He, like... He, he just, like... It feels like his entire heart is just in this scene. Mm-hmm. And there's a really cool thing that I think... I think it happens in this scene, at least, that Paprika looks up and she sees, like, the ceiling, which is, like, this... Like, there is, like, this alcove carved out in the ceiling, this rectangular alcove, broken up into three, like windows by just like black lines there's a black outline around it mm-hmm. and it looks exactly like a film strip and i fucking love it it's very cool yes very like um subtle telegraphing in this movie which yeah. um i'd like telegraphing but i don't like to these like this is being telegraphed and the, the movie is just hitting me the, with the telegraph on yep. the head and um, then this movie does I'm a, smart a enough of- <laughs> Yeah, this movie does a thing that I think is really good, which is that it, it um, maybe dramatic irony is the word I'm looking for, but this is not the first time it does it, uh, uh, it, where like you see in the background of their conversation that they're having about why this is so important, why the number 17, why everything, what happened. In the background, because we're about to make this breakthrough with Konakawa about his about his brain uh, about what's about <laughs> about his problems. Yes, and, brain um, problems. We see this. We see the parade filtering in through the background, and the parade is horrifying. I think that like the concept of the parade is such like it's so scary to me. Like far scarier than anything with that much nonsense should it be. It is so daunting. This is like, and I to- like this is what I love about the horror aspects of this movie are that they are so bright, colorful, and, like, high yes! energy. And, yes. and But truly chaotic in a way that is deeply disconcerting. Like, like you, compare, you compare this to Perfect Blue, and, like, definitely at the very end of that movie, like, the, the thing of villainy is very colorful because it is the... It is Mima's manager in that, like, that bright, frilly red and pink tutu. But for the entire duration of that movie, the, the source of There's so of much the horror... explicit violence in that movie. And yes. That yeah, there yeah, yeah. isn't in this one. So Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is, like, the, the most violent thing that happens, I think, is Himuro falling from... No, actually, someone gets shot in this movie. Never mind. Someone does get shot in this yes, movie. Yes, but it's really nothing compared to uh, Perfect Blue. Yeah, Perfect Blue had some shit. Yeah. Um... But so the, this this dream like filters in through the back of the auditorium and they don't even see it for like the next 10 seconds. They're only alerted to it when a frog does a cool somersault and hits his bass drum. Yes. <laughs> and then we, we and then we hear the, the parade theme start up again. Yep. Um, in a way that was like deeply satisfying to me in a way that I didn't expect. I was like, because I saw the parade coming and I was like, you didn't you don't even hear it like. Come, fade in from the background or anything. Mm-mm. It's just the, the the frog smacks its bass drum and it's ba 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 ba. it's so good. It's so so good. Everybody we... knows shit's fucked. <laughs> and then we see um uh 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 Tokita again uh like robot Tokita and um th- we talked about this earlier. Uh, Paprika tries to stop him and he's like ah eh, no I'm robot um uh and mm. then. Just like yeah, steamrolls her basically. Just, yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, and then uh, so that's like that's something they have to deal with. The dreams. I we we as an again dramatic irony. You were totally right when you said that. Um, we as an audience have known that the dreams are merging, but now um, uh, our pivotal characters are having to deal with that fact. Um, 
they are uh, we see we see um, Konakawa get totally swept up on it as Paprika is like trying to make a break for it all. Yeah, um, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" And then like the the cinema it, like explodes behind them to reveal that they've been in the desert the whole time with the with the in the dream sequence, and then um, Atsuko just wakes up and tells informs Shima about what's happening, um, and then she's like, "Okay, we have to." I have to do the whole DC mini thing in the same room as um, Tokita and um, Himuro. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to deal with that that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that's what's hap- what happens, at least in the in a very base narrative way. Yeah. Uh, any yeah. details, I don't really remember. But um, we get this. We we um the one of the very few complaints I have with this movie that bothers me every time is that we get this incredible shot that like. We, where Atsuko's like, I have no choice, and it zooms in on her face, and then like it, like like the way that the camera moves, it almost feels like it bounces off her face. Yeah, and like it like zooms in all the way, so all we can really see is like the bridge of her nose. It bounces, and then all of a sudden we're looking at paprika floating in the sky, and it's an incredible transition. The one thing that sours me on it is the fact that it plays one measure of the lead up to the. Uh, uh, like one measure of the start of the girl from Biakoya slash mediational field, mm-hmm. the the yo it plays one measure of that and then goes right into the song off beat, which bothers me every fucking time. <laughs> it's such a minor thing, but they it there's normally a four measure build up to that hit. There's a four measure build up to that in the in the in the opening, and I get you if you don't want to do all four, I get it. Give me two. Make it even. Make it work. Because <laughs> I didn't even notice, but I appreciate you. As a person, <laughs> I appreciate you. Um. Um, but yeah, she, she turns into, she turns into uh, uh, Wukong, the Monkey King, flies around on a cloud for a little bit, sees the parade, and is like, hmm, I'm going to go inspect some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, like, uh, finds this, there's like a bunch of like Tokita dolls just kind of littering the floor in this. Like she, she like peels away some of the reality basically. Yeah. So this is the the scene we were talking about that um, is paralleled by inception. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, yeah, she goes into this room. It's like Tokita dolls everywhere and they're vibrating a little bit. Their heads are spinning like rapidly, almost in a sort of cicada bug like way. Yes. Uh, Yes. Yes. yes, That's it. mm -hmm. Uh, Because they're also making that noise sort of, it's a little rattlier, but I think it's that's what it's trying to evoke. Oh um, yeah, of course. Yeah, fucking of course it is. I just I just fucking realized because you you like the the, the very next scene is uh, Paprika heading into that like that well, and it, it, it's just like this weird like veiny hollowed out area, and she flies out, and it is Himuro's shell like a cicada. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh fuck, that's so cool. <laughs> it's very cool. Uh, oh my god! I can't wait to I can't wait to hear myself reacting to that when I edit this thing. <laughs> oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So she like she goes in and we see Paprika's pussy <laughs> for yeah. like five seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because uh, she, she's she's a little like Tinkerbell fairy right now. Yeah, yeah. She flies into the she flies into the hole and there is um the she she fly she flies into this hole and she's in this thing. She stumbles across something that looks like some eye holes. And she's like, she like has this dawning realization. She flies out of it and looks down, and it's just like this, this cicada-like shell that Himuro once occupied. Yes. Like so, it, he's ba- he's he's basically a vegetable at this point. We learn. Brain dead. Literally brain dead. Yes. 
Um, so, and then she's like, well, okay. Um, she turns around and it's just a tree with the chair, uh, chairman's face on it. And she's like, fuck. Uh, okay. Gotta leave now. And she wakes up and she's like, Shima, bad news. Chairman's involved. Well, no, no, no. She, she, she runs from him a little bit and like gets woken up at just the very last second. And this is the first time that we see Atsuko like ever in this entire movie. She's been cool, calm, and collected for the most part. She does, she did yell at Tokito that one time, but like this is the first time she, like, she really shows how shaken she was. She was not all there. She was not exactly talkative after the incident earlier at Himuro's apartment, but like she is like. She, she is just wearing an expression that we have not seen from her previously in this movie, and it is so good. Yeah. Actually, worth noting, a small detail I did notice that I thought was super interesting and definitely a foreshadow um, is that uh, when um, Paprika is leaving, um, the sort of, like, um, Tokida uh, uh, Cicada Den, um, we see, like, a, a pink-lit statue of David, but it looks like, Osanai, oh, yeah. Osanai. Oh, um, and I was like, oh, that's going to be relevant later. And it basically was. Um, uh, David being the ideal man, you know, it's uh, this movie is about bodies. Uh, yeah. But she wakes <laughs> up and, and she's like, all right, Shima, we got to go take on the director. And they drive over there and they go there and they get there and he's like, all right, director, you got to stop doing this. And then one of, like, Possibly my favorite line in this entire movie, where, where the director is like has another one of his talks about how science is invading the dreams, mm-hmm. and the line is the dreams are horrified that their safe refuge is destroyed by technology. Totally, uh, and that is exactly the emotion that this movie evokes. Uh, yeah, it's 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 really really good. Um, and they then... they wanted they they wanted to find out they they wanted to see if they could, so they never stopped to think about if they should. Right, and then we get one of the most an unnerving visuals um in this movie uh which is uh uh uh, the chairman standing up and not walking but sort of gliding but we Mm -hmm. don't see his feet he's on a segue yeah so i'm like (laughs) he's stuck on a hoverboard right so i'm like okay so obviously this isn't real but how is this not real or maybe a bit obviously this isn't real um but then we see like fucking like uh tree root tendrils like like um, monstrous octopus style, just yeah. like, just like, like funnel out, and then uh, 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 Shima uh, turns into turn, Shima. Uh, Shima, it, it like zooms in. It's on. It's on Atsuko's face, and then it pans out, and you realize, oh shit, this is Paprika's face. And then it pans out further, and you realize, oh shit, that wasn't Shima. That's Osanai standing next to her yep, now. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. And, and very then effective. and then we get one, and then we get one further pan out, which is panning out of the computer screen that Shima is watching this entire scene play out on, and him just being like, like you can just see him hammering the escape control, delete, control, delete, control, delete, but. Buttons. Yeah, trying to desperately trying to wake uh, Atsuka up because she's like, you got because Paprika's like, you got to wake her up. We're still dreaming and this is a problem. Um, and uh, so she runs. We get we get this these tendrils following her like a like a like a wave. She's walking through a hallway and I think it has to be a direct homage to The Shining. The way that the these these tendrils like flowing like a like like liquid against like the yes, walls and crashing yeah. into things um and how she has to evade it um it, i mean it, it, not literally visually but also close enough and like hotel-ish enough that i was like that is exactly what i'm feeling right now um mm-hmm. and which makes sense because movies are really important to this movie 
Um, yeah. And is there anything more iconic than fucking Stanley Kubrick's The Shining? Like, literally. Uh, pro- probably one of the most referenced movies of all time. Definitely. Um, uh, but, so... like, there's, a, there's this chase sequence, and... Um... It, it, it's just uh it, it's just paprika it's it's another medley of films kind of like we get like we we get this like we get like a greek fantasy movie we get like a mermaid movie um we it's see interesting the... i i don't know if movies is it but it definitely is we're definitely getting a medley of something because she flies into a painting of oedipus and a sphinx she mm-hmm. becomes the sphinx and uh osanai uh, becomes uh oedipus and she she is like pithy about that um and yeah then she, she gets stabbed she dives into the ocean she becomes a mermaid um she gets swallowed by um the chairman who is a whale but yeah. with a human face that's it's pretty a cool. really funny looking whale but he like he like splurts her out of his blowhole and there's a really cool scene where like paprika is or like we are we it is very explicitly an upright orientation of the camera that we are seeing and yes. then, and the orientation of the camera does not change. We do see Paprika like kind of flipping around in the air, and then she lands what looks like upside down in the pile of the dolls in the parade. And then the camera just does like a very like just kind of almost a cheeky like a one hundred eighty degree flip, just like yeah. correct. I I, have, then, I I don't know if I like or hate this. I don't think I hate it, but I think I wish I was. I wish it was more. Um, I wish the uh, re un, unreversing of the shot was a little bit more interesting to look at than just a standard 180 flip. Yeah. Um, but I do I, I think, understand I, I the think, cheekiness of it. I, you know? I, think it's a, I think it's a little bit like... It, it doesn't It doesn't really feel standard to me because it feels like... It feels almost amateur. Like, it feels like that. that's what happens if you rotate a scene 180 degrees in three seconds in After Effects without, like doing anything to the footage otherwise. Sure, yeah. Which I is not a thing that you that anyone would do in a movie otherwise. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think when you said cheeky, I was like, okay, I understand this a little bit more. Because when I was watching this, I was like, so I, this isn't upsetting me and it's not making me not enjoy this movie. I just like know like re- uh, unreverses have been done in more interesting ways in other movies I've seen. But mm-hmm. I think um, it being like a little like, like elbow into the ribs sort of about the whole thing uh is probably correct (laughs) and then i love this scene because paprika looks up and she paprika is just like a little pinocchio doll in the parade looking up at where where osanai and the chairman are both sitting with like their hands on her just like holding her in place and she looks and she sees herself from like 15 minutes ago as wukong looking over the parade and she's like paprika don't and then suddenly her conscience is transferred to very dreamlike very yeah, dreamy. Yeah, exactly. I was literally yes. about to say that. Yeah. Yes. Oh. It's very, very, very good. And then she tries to run that... away and runs into a cloud of blue butterflies and. Yeah. Just pops out of existence, sort of, until she wakes up again, staring at a ceiling. And then we get a moment, uh, we get a, a very extended scene um, that uh, is, you've probably. You're also, if you've seen this movie, you're probably, but it's been a while, you're probably familiar with this scene as well because it's very. Uh, I mean, very evocative. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's basically a, it's... a one-on-one between uh, Osanai and uh, uh, Paprika. Mm-hmm. And there has been this, like, through line of Paprika sort of being the ideal woman, or at least the... Dr- well, she's a dream girl, basically, literally, you know? Literally, yeah, as, as, is, as is called attention to by multiple characters in the movie. She's literally a dream girl. Yeah, I think a dream girl is more accurate than an ideal woman, you know? Because... Yeah. Yeah. Um, because there's, there's, there's very, there's very much something very manic pixie about her. 
Um, Literally pixie talk, if we're going back to the Tinkerbell thing. Absolutely. No, yeah, I was just thinking that. Um, So uh, everyone is kind of in love with her except for Shima, I would say. Mm -hmm. Shima's like, I'm a grandpa. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love Shima so much. He's so good. He's so good. Um, So uh, Osunai and Paprika have this whole conversation. Um, It doesn't really um, uh, 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 show much except for how disgusted he is by bodies other than his because he's got like the he and again he's the david he's got the ideal body um and, and that's i mean that's like very on the nose thematic telegraphing about um uh disgust surrounding bodies and possession of bodies he's essentially um i think he articulates he's essentially giving his body in a sort of way to the chairman um in a sort of dreamlike way or at least that's the chairman's goal for the whole situation, uh, uh-huh. I guess in, in return of power, I think that's what's happening. Um, and then we, uh, uh, and then uh, like between these shots is uh, Konakawa uh, sort of like being like, "I'm not drunk, you're drunk." If, I think he says, which I love. He's like, "Look, I know I'm drunk, which means um, I'm sober." Because if I was drunk, I wouldn't know I was drunk, um, which is not true. But okay. Uh, no, but it's, it is, it, 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 it's it's a little bit more that he's like saying, okay, so this is a dream, right? Because I rec- and so on and so forth. And he's right, but his his logic <laughs> logic is bad. But he got the right answer. Yeah, totally. And um, like the bartenders are like, okay, um, he he, and then he like. We we get like a more in depth examination of like his old psyche and like the film yeah. thing. Apparently, because he was making out that a, like he had, he had made a film once as a ch- as a youngin, and he did it with his friend, a uh, longtime friend of his, who he considered like another part of him. Yeah. Um, and then he like he kind of just like he does that thing where like I I don't know if this is the thing that happens to everyone or if it's just me. That's true of a lot of my things in my life, but I digress. Um, you ever like when I'm just like I, I I feel like I'm just like I'm thinking about something and then it feels like I like trip over like a trap door that I've hidden like memories inside. Um, and like I open it and think and just shit starts and just like I'm like oh that's right oh shit okay oh that makes so much sense now. Well, I mean, I not really, but cool. um, because if I forget something, it's not coming back. Uh. <laughs> that's just true of me. But, I'm talking about more like suppressed memories from childhood. Uh, not really. Okay. Um, but I guess I get what you mean. Um, I would. I will say what did happen to me today that it, I think evokes a very similar emotion is that Roswell was texting me. He was like, "Hey, remember when evil clowns were like a thing in 2016?" And I was like, "What the fuck? I totally forgot about that. I totally erased that from my consciousness." 2016 was truly insane. Anyway, yeah, I, I uh, think we all had to forget 2016 for the better part of our health. The, the, the clown thing, the clown thing specifically, that's insane. Why? Why was anything happening? Anyway, um, <laughs> hey, if I wanted to see killer clowns, I'd take a look at the White House. Oh, boo! It's not H. Kip. It's not H. Kip. Get out of here. <laughs> okay, bye. I'm ca- um, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting a hooked cane and I'm dragging you off stage. Uh, yeah, but um, so Osanai uh, plunges his hand into Paprika's pussy and like pulls, splits her down the middle. Yes. So basically, shedding the paprika skin, I guess. And he says something interesting. 
either here or a bit earlier where he's like, why are you dressed up like a girl? Like, I like you how you're usually dressed up, which I think is just a mistranslation. Um, as it's supposed to mean something else. I think probably girlish or more feminine. But I would say that um, Atsuko is dressed basically about as feminine as uh, uh, Paprika is. I don't know. It's interesting, and I really don't know what it's supposed to mean, and I kind of wish I did. Um, but yeah, so she, he, but the the essence of that is that he prefers this quote unquote real self. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, like, it's, 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 it's like the, you know, the dudes that say, you know, I like real women. Talk, I don't, I like women that don't wear makeup and shit like yeah. that. Like, well, Oshinai is such a friend, is, is a Bruni Franzoni. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's the sort of like, idealization of womanhood like you are you just have to peel away to get this perfect uh version of a woman you know mm-hmm. um and she i mean uh uh atsuko is not even that because she's not even conscious when he like peels away like the the paprika like she's yeah. she's not anything yep um uh, and he's like all right i'm about to have sex with this and then the chairman's head like pops out of his neck and he's like fuck you are motherfucker yeah. Uh, so they start they start fighting with each other, which gives ample time for Konokawa to like Stranger Things, uh, I, I like put like shove through the wall of the movie screen. Yes. And uh, tear through and like just grab uh, Atsuko and uh, the 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 chairman and Osunai sharing the same body are like, hey hey don't don't take her and he just like does this funny little like waddle out of the room carrying <laughs> carrying Atsuko in his arms. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And Shima, dire- Shima, like, directs him into his dream. Well, yeah. f- first, Osanai, like, explodes into a bunch of butterflies. Yeah. But then uh, Shima's like, hey, just go into your dream. And, like, we get, like, the medley from the first movie again of, like, the Tarzan and the spy movie and the romance movie and all that stuff. And right. um, Osanai is there trying to kill him. Uh-huh. Uh, and then we get to the scene with the with the the hall in the hotel hallway again and we get the exact same shot of of konakawa starting to run exact same shot and you expect because you've seen it twice now you expect that floor to crumple under him and you are worried in that split second in this heat of the moment that that is going to happen and then nothing happens just keep running yeah because the film the film has more the the reel has more footage now yes and he's like, he's like, this time I'm gonna end it and blast him and blasts uh, Osanai in the back. And he's like, that actually hurt. Yeah. Um, and then and he blows off his gun, and it's like the end. And, the, and then he goes, gets a standing ovation from the the audience. Um, he's and he like, starts making out with Paprika, and then uh, Atsuko wait. Uh, he starts making out with the unconscious Atsuko, which is kind of fucked up. And then you, and then Atsuko uh, wakes up in the real world and slaps Shima, who had been make, who had been like kissing her to wake her up because yeah, he tried yeah. every other thing he could. It was yeah. like fuck it, <laughs> fuck it, <laughs> fuck it, sexual, fuck it, sexual harassment time. Yeah, um, he, she slaps him super hard. Yeah, um, and she's like, "Your grandpa, it's fine." Um, about the whole thing, which is like, I mean, I, whatever people have done, people just recently did a lot worse to you. So I think that's probably okay. Yeah, um, defo, but it, it is such a button on this whole arc that I knew for a fact, um, that, that it wasn't over. Right. Uh, so we, we get the scene of like, uh, of, um, Atsuko and, uh, uh, Shima being like, so is Tokita okay? And Shima's like, 
he's still kind of under. And we see, like, during, like, this, there's, like, 30 seconds here where we see this. They're, like, just sitting on the floor of this office. And, like, they are below, they are, like, at, they are, like, below desk height. And then um, on the windows that are above, uh, that are, like, above where they can see, you see this bloody handprint come and, like, start smearing on the wall on its way to them. And they don't notice it. They literally do not notice it in that scene. They do not, uh, as far as we are shown in the movie, they do not see it. Because what they see is is um is the, the like some spectral form of Osanai shambling through the doorway and like he falls over it and like dies and fades out of existence mm-hmm. <laughs> because when he got <clears throat> because when he got shot in the dream he got shot for real uh, right. and then and and goes like oh shit the dreams are the dreams are merging we gotta go uh and then. They start walking quickly. Shima's like, hey, I'm going to call Konakawa. Hey, Konakawa, what's up? And the line starts reading them word salad. The, the phone is like, do-do-do, we're sorry. We are going to say some word salad to you now. There are too the- many tires in the ocean. And we see the, 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 the doll with the black hair and the red dress from earlier, yes. like, giant, like, standing outside, like, just standing at, at eye level with this glass walkway, like, six stories up. And... This gets a laugh out of me every little time. That little, like, waddle she does to get, like, two inches closer to them before she screams and breaks everything is uh-huh. so fucking funny. Yes. But also that laugh she does, um, I didn't realize it was so ingrained in my consciousness because I was like, wow. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so there's a whole chase sequence. Um, yeah. Uh, Paprika and Atsuko, uh, Paprika and Atsuko, uh, well, Paprika shows up, uh, alongside Atsuko, like, being in the same physical space for the first time, because, uh, with each other for the first time, because the dreams and reality are merging, and so they get together for the first time, um, they're, like, trying to, fa- they're, like, trying to chase down the source of this, and, um, we, at some point, we cut back to the, we cut to a hotel room where the chairman and Osanai are st- are together, both with a DC mini on their heads, and we see Osanai's like corpse. We we see like Osanai's corpse fall into a corner of the room, and like the the that corner of the room just like plunges down with him into like some dark inky depths that we don't know where it is. And Osanai like crawls after him, and is like, I need that body. Mm-hmm. I need legs. Mm-hmm. Chairman Chairman needs legs. <laughs> um, but does he deserve them? Well, I, I, I can, can does has he written a song of fuck? I, I can't. I don't remember Ariel needs legs well enough to make the reference to make fuck. the joke. <laughs> God damn it! Um, a, a medley comprising all original. How many ever Pokemon, et cetera, et cetera, yes. et cetera. 151. Good. All right. Teamwork. Got there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know Pokemon well enough, but I do know Neil Cicerega pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he uh, he dives into that hole. But then Paprika and Atsuko are like running around the city and they get into a bit of an argument where Paprika is like, hey, we got to go fucking do this. And Atsuko is like, but Tokita is, he, he needs help. He's in trouble. Because, like, uh, uh, Tokita robot heads is giant now and he had just... Uh, like stopped the big red dress doll from killing them by shooting missiles at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, is like, we have to help him. Paprika is like, why do you need to help him? Huh? And Atsuko's like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. 
Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was like, I don't think I got that the first time I watched it, even though it's explicitly telegraphed at the end of this movie. Um, but I was like, She's oh. In love with him. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a really, this is another one of those things that I did not catch until this time through that makes me laugh my ass off. Um, because uh, Atsuko, or Paprika, when, when Paprika is being, uh, uh, when Paprika is pinned down to the butter to the table, uh, to the butterfly table as the butterfly by Osunai, he says something and she responds with, you sound just like some old baldy I know. Yeah. Atsuko says something and Paprika replies, you sound just like some old baldy I know. And then when we cut back to Atsuko, we cut back to Atsuko reacting. We cut back to uh, a wider shot of Paprika standing next to Shima. And Shima is like patting his head being like, I'm, I'm bald. You talking about me? <laughs> like, it's it very looked, dear. It's, it's very, very cute. Good. Yeah, but so Paprika and Shima fuck off to do something, and Atsuko's like, all right, let's go talk to Tokita. And Tokita, giant robot, is like, hmm, I think I will eat you. And he eats her. Yes. Um, and then he says something to the line, he's like, okay, that was good, but it needs more spice. Perhaps. Paprika? And the yep. audience goes nuts! Um, yep. I'm the audience. So uh, then, um, Paprika and Shima stumble across, like, stumble, uh, like, find, make their way towards, like, the epicenter of all of this, where, like, Shima, where, where, not Shima, where Osunai had, like, plunged into that inky depths. Like, it had, like, been pulling the rest of the, ta- of, of, like, the entire world around with it. And, like, uh, and they stumble up, and then Tokita shows up, and it's looking like some pretty dire shits. Mm-hmm. Or, wait, sorry, I'm, we, we completely skipped a scene, because... Um, Konakawa is, like, back in his office as all this is happening, and he's, like, stretching after a long day of work as a cop, and he, like, turns to face the window, and he, like, makes a gun with his finger, and is like, it's all over now. And then, like, he looks out the window, and the parade is happening, he's like, ah, shit. Trying to figure out if my cat is shitting on my rug, or if he's just (laughs) sitting weird. Simba, no. No, I think he's fine. He just moved, and there's no shit where he was sitting, so he's just sitting weird. <laughs> okay, thank you, Simba. Um, but uh, so Tokita is charging down Shima and Paprika, and it's looking pretty dire because he's already eaten Natsuko. But then the bartenders jump out and blind him with a giant banner, um, and cause him to crash into a wall and get stuck. Yes. <laughs> um, and then the ghost of Atsuko shows up, uh, like some spectral form of Atsuko, so very similar to the one that had showed up and died in front of, uh, the one of Osunai that had showed up and died in front of Atsuko and Shima. Yes. Um, that ghost shows up and like dislodges uh, him from the wall stuck. And um, they, they just kind of sit together and they, we flash back to the first time that we met Tokita, which is when he got stuck in an elevator and uh, 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 Atsuko had to like pull him out. Uh-huh. And they just kind of sat together for a moment in each other's arms. And they do the same thing here. And it's a really sweet moment. It is. It is. Because uh, she, like, gently chi- like chides him for all of this. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I mm-hmm. know, I know, I know. Uh, but he's just excitable. Who can blame yeah. him? Come on. He's inventing dream tech. Of course he's excitable. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I really, I literally can't blame him for anything he's doing because I'm like, Oh, yeah, obviously. But I have inherent sympathy towards all scientist characters because um, they're always inherently the best motivations ever because it's just like, what if just knowledge? And I'm like, yes, knowledge. <laughs> yep. But I, in any case. Um, so uh, the climax of this movie, and I think I feel okay just skipping to the climax of this movie. Sure. And, unless there's anything in particular leading up to it that you want to cover. No, no. Cool, cool, cool. Um, is a, there's a, this huge form of the the chairman? He's again, he's sucking the world into a, to the center, and then um, 
Paprika's like, I'm going to do something about this. And then she's like, yeah, she's like, she's like, and then she's a ghost baby uh, uh, emerging out of the, the shell of, uh, 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 like robot. Tokita. Tokita. Robot Tokita. <clears throat> and then she eats, then she like, uh, the chairman like puts his hand on her and she like starts sucking it in. Yeah. And she well, she's, just she's like, she's inhaling all the dream, so to speak, the dream gum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's growing every time she does. And then the chairman's like, who's eating my dream? And she's like, it's me, bitch. Um, <laughs> and then she turns it, and then she eats him and turns into a giant woman and everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love a giant woman. Like, that's pretty much, that's pretty much how that, that's pretty much how that's left, right? I mean, we do get the, we do get like the coda to this movie with the, with Konakawa going to radioclub.jp again. But uh-huh. like, that's pretty much how that ends, right? With, with. Atsuko becoming giant woman. And then just kind of evaporating into the ether. But then what, what we realize is that not only... So we kind of said that, like, dream... Like, they said that dreams were integrating with reality. But what I kind of inferred that as is just, like, everyone was experiencing the same dream at the same time. But the the wreckage literally happens. Like, like yep. all of these dream figures vanish, but we are left with this huge fucking crater um, in the middle of the city. And, like like smoke coming up from everything and just like really like very real consequence wreckage oh, for yeah. all of this so nonsense. many people died as a result of this totally yeah um but um the movie the movie does the movie ends with uh konakawa trying to log into radioclub.jp again and he sees the bartenders there who are both kind of banged up for their cool heroics uh-huh. and at the at the table where he and paprika normally would sit and would sit and drink together and the other times they've been to this location he just finds a little note card that says uh, Atsuko's name will be changing to Tokita, and that he should go see the movie Dreaming Kids. Yes. And then the movie ends with him going to the theater and saying two, two for Dreaming Kids, and yes. then we get the girl from Biakoya, which yes. is white. Which which is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Biakoya is White Tiger in Japanese. I wouldn't know, but that's possible. You know, I tried studying Japanese on Duolingo, but then lost my streak, and I haven't touched it yet. So yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, specifically, Biakoya is uh, is White Tiger Field, which oh, uh, okay. so that makes it so it's perfect for me. Cool. Yeah. Right on. Absolutely. This is my movie. It was made for me. It was. It was. Shall we get uh, into ratings? We shall, because you know that I'm giving this mother. Okay. So on a scale of zero to five. On scale of zero to five DC minis, how many DC minis are you going to give this one? I think I'm also. I know you're going to give it a five. I'm also going to give it a five. Yep. Um, this is just a really tremendous movie to me. I uh, I think I had way more problems with it when I first watched it because I was like, there was some for some reason I was like, this is a good but deeply imperfect movie. There's a lot really good in this movie. Way more good in this movie than bad. Um, I think I was just a way too critical about and didn't really understand. And there's 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 room to be critical about how it handles its discussion of bodies, um, because it's not always very graceful. But I think um, the, the the willingness to have that uh, a discussion and to introduce the idea of nuance into it is doing a lot more legwork than a lot of other films that try to do similar things. So this is still getting a five for me. I really really enjoy this movie. Yeah, I mean, this is like I said at the top. This is like my favorite movie of all time. It if I didn't give this a five, what the fuck am I giving fives to? Right, like, right, right. Yeah, it's absolutely. Just, it's such a wonderful thing. It's it's so like all of Satoshi Kon's is so bio, it's so autobiographical. But this one more so than anything, and then anything else he's put together combined. Mm-hmm. And 
I think there's a real genuine, like, something I hadn't really touched on, but something I realized writing this, is that the the, the situation with Konakawa and his old buddy, where he, like, stopped making the movies and then died, it's not exactly that, but um, a thing that some people might not know about Satoshi Kon is that he had another movie in the works when mm-hmm. he passed mm-hmm. um, uh, called Dreaming Machine, and he left it to his best friend and Madhouse, co-found- Madhouse Studio co-founder, uh... Maruyama, I can't remember the guy's. I can't remember the guy's full name off the top of my head, but his name is Maruyama. Um, and Maruyama has been trying vigilantly for the last almost for the last over nine years since Cone's death to mm-hmm. bring that movie across the finish line. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a really good there was a really good interview um, with Maruyama at the end of uh, the screening of Millennium Actress that I went to, and it was so. It was just so wonderful and beautiful. There's a line in it where he says that, like, he says that there are, in many ways, we are still trying to catch up with Satoshi Kon even nine years after his passing, and it's... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, like, it was a truly, like, tremendous filmmaker, um, and I'm really glad that we got the movies that we did out of him because uh, I think they're definitely... They're, they're so iconic and some of the best of the genre. Yeah. For sure. If not the best of the genre. So. Good movies. So, yeah. Good movie. Uh, I, we got questions. Oh, do we? Let's get into them. So, this question by at Girl in Four Colors, friend of the show, Caradwin, is uh, asking if, Papri- if Paprika is, quote, more of a thriller, quote, what else constitutes a, quote, thriller in your estimation? This is a, a reference to the time that I uh, sh- brought this movie over to Carriage's house to show her this movie, described it as, yeah, it's a thriller, and then at the end of the the, the scene where Atsuko, like, almost launches herself off the building, Caradron turned to me and was like, so a thriller, huh? <laughs> was she way more freaked out about about it than, like, a thr- just a straight-up thriller? Oh, yeah, like like I said, like, I, I, I was I was not the only one scared, scared off my ass during that scene. Um, I would say, I would say this, um... Uh, exists more in the arena of thriller than straight out and out like terrifying horror. I think um, I think it rides the line. It does definitely ride the line. I, um, I, I, I genuinely think like the one defining thing is that there was not there were not more like horror. There were not more scary scenes. I guess right, right. Like there were there were not. I, I, not that there's like a quota, but like I feel like if there was a quota, this does not surpass the quota required to hit horror movie. So, uh, so comparing this to a Perfect Blue, which I think is an out-and-out horror movie, yeah. um, uh, there's a lot more of a sense of encroaching dread in that movie than I would say is present here. Um, it's uh, this movie relies more on tension, uh, yeah. which I, I think is I think is very distinct from dread, um, but uh, definitely a, a, an adrenaline-based motivator in the same way that I think, which I think is the, the main difference between a thriller and a horror movie in general. Um, is it's uh, just like the the shape anxiety takes um, is just different, you know. Also, I think uh, thrillers tend to be f- way more faster paced in the way that this movie was. Um, it d- doesn't linger, um, and it doesn't feel like it needs to. And I don't think it suffers for not lingering, um, but it definitely moves very quick. And there's a lot of action happening in it. Um, I think uh, you get you get sort of a, a manicness to this movie that I think places it more in the arena of a thriller for me. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, also, Twitter user Pidmon wants to know if you had a friend come into your dreams or vice versa, how would you keep each other safe? Uh, 
So I have really, we both have pretty bad ADHD. Um, yep. uh, so the problem with me having dreams is that I often forget elements of my dreams. So if I had a friend coming into my dream, I'd be like, oh, word, hey, what's up? And then probably 10 minutes later would totally forget them out of existence that they were there. Um, so that would be but, a very... But, but, given, but given that, <laughs> you, you just, are, you, are you just pulling out the 45? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I think um, there'd be a lot of running involved. I, um, I would I, in, in, in this dream world, I would be my fursona, which is all the protection I would need. Um, I, so a lot of my dreams are folk. Last night I had a dream that someone was connected to my bank account because for rent reasons. And then they gave like their, their young cousins access to like their cards. And they like brought me into my, into the red in my bank account. And I was like, no, please return this so I can have money again. I need money. I have to make rent eventually. Um, so those are my kind of dreams. So I think um, the way I would protect my friend is that we would like pool our resources so we would have enough money to make rent at the end of the month. <laughs> ain't, that, ain't that always great when you wake up from a dream like that where something really bad happens? You're like, oh, okay, okay. Right, but, uh, right, you, right. You have like five to ten minutes where you're like, oh, God. Like I, 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 have, I, I have dreams sometimes where I'm getting arrested. And then I wake up and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, how am I going to afford my legal fees? Um, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Or like I've broken something that's really important. Sure. That's so interesting. That's such an in, that's such a view into your psyche. Um, yeah, no, I have I have um, stress dreams mostly about um, school um, and money, even though I haven't been in school for uh, almost a year now. Um, I mean, the school dreams don't go away. They don't. Um, I remember. So I was organizing going to the state fair when uh, Roswell was here with my parents and scheduling was like an insane insanity. Um, And I just remember having like a dream where I just like had to like have a screaming fit at them because they like arrived before we did. And I was like, how are we supposed to know? How are we supposed to know that you got here? But it was fine. Also, I had a dream that um, I hung out with... uh, Aaron Hansen and his wife. And I don't really know why, because I don't watch Game Grumps. So <laughs> that's just a little example, um, open door in, into into my psyche. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. I did. <laughs> anyway, let's get into recommendations. Yes, I completely forgot about recommendations. Yes, <laughs> we have to do that. Yep. Uh, so my recommendation this week is going to be back on my bullshit. I've been watching anime again. Um, I started on this series, which... I so this title is gonna sound like it's gonna make the show sound like dog shit. I need I, I, I need you to prepare for that. Because the title of this the title of this television series is Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. Okay. And it sounds if you look at the stills, if you look at the the intro the anime the animation the opening, if you look at like the setup for it, it seems like a harem. But it's a really fascinating coming-of-age story that I have fallen in love with really quickly. It lampshades the harem parts a little bit, being like, wouldn't it be funny if this happened? Which I could do without, but it's whatever in service of the rest of the show, which is phenomenal. And the best way I can summarize it, and I did it this way on HKIP, so if you listen to both, you're going to get a double dose of this joke. But um, the best way to summarize it is, bro, you you just posted cringe. You are going to gain subscriber. (laughs) Okay. Is that your pitch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, basically, it's it, it's so far at least. Maybe it, maybe this message changes later on in the show, but so far it has been about 
going against the grain of like the the atmosphere fighting the atmosphere fighting against like what is perceived what is believed by the masses like posting the cringe and gaining subscriber okay you post the cringe you go against the you go against the grain and you gain subscriber yes um one must um uh, uh subjugate themselves to the the mortifying ideal of posting cringe if they want to gain subscriber yep or whatever it goes um my recommendation, I have a couple this week because it's because I used to do this all the time and couldn't struggle struggled to come up with one, so I feel like I deserve to give two recommendations because now I have backlog. Um, first of all, Lana Del Rey's new album is fucking incredible. Yeah, um, fucks. I deeply hated her last one in a way that I tried to revisit it because I was like, maybe I was being too hard on it. Um, and no, it's just some real ne- neoliberal bullshit that sucks so much to listen to. Um, uh, but... Uh, Norman fucking Rockwell uh, is is a return to form in a really, really mature way. It feels like the Born to Die Paradise era of her career, but with a lot less baby voice and a lot more sophistication of her as a, like a, a creator. And like like sonically and like lyrically, it's just truly tremendous. Um, uh, second of all, my other recommendation is that I've been getting really to crosswords. Um, I highly recommend them. You should, uh, if you're willing to shell out about $7 a month for the New York Times crossword app. It $7.55 is, after tax, motherfuckers. Yes. Uh, it is... Uh, I just got billed for it today. <laughs> <laughs> it is... Um, it is the highlight of my evening. I'm going to um, dig into the Friday one literally after we hit stop on this recording. Um, it, it is, I feel like it's making me a smarter person and I like lateral thinking. Um, you think you're too stupid to do crosswords, but you're not because I can do them. <laughs> yep. Just just start, just start with Monday and work your way up. Right, right. And there's always a little article that attaches to them that I think is really helpful. And like, here's some tricky ones. It's okay if you didn't know that. And you're going to start... Um, integrating really, really useless trivia into your life. Because um, now I know who Alan Alda is in a way that I really didn't ever need to before. Um, I have so many ways to describe the word aced now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I, I, I have never been as intimate with the word Oreo as I was now. Oh, I, I know. Was. Oh, I know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we both love crossword. They're very good. Um, you think you're not going to enjoy them, you're going to enjoy them, and I really, really encourage everyone to give it a shot. Uh, <laughs> I used to do it with my roommate all the time, but she her subscription ran out, um, and I kind of missed that sort of bonding experience that we had. So um, if you start doing the crossword, message me about it, because I want to hear about your thoughts. I'm like, this one's hard. Help me. I would love to. Um, anyway... Yes, plugs. Shall we? Shall we plug? Yeah, uh, we are. Co- Jesus Christ, this is going to be a fun one to edit. Uh, if you want to support us, we are fear baiting everywhere. That is Gmail, Twitter, f- Face. We don't have a Facebook. No. So yeah, Patreon.com slash fearbaiting. Uh, if you would like to support the podcast, uh, one dollar a month is just kind of a tip jar at this point. Really, we I, I don't really we we don't really have anything on the books for bonus content. But if we do ever do it, it will be showing up there. Yes. Um, doing three podcasts is a lot. Maybe when the Wonder Years ends, I'll have more time on my schedule to do something for the Patreon. I um, think I think we would love to do some. I, I personally would love to do... I have some ideas for bonus content for the Wonder Years. It's just... I feel like it's stuff that we all need to be in the so- same location to do. Um, so if yeah. you like the Wonder Years, I would say keep an eye out for that. There's all, I, I think there's also some stuff... I think there's also some avenues to the Wonder Years content that will open up after we have finished the books. Fully. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Um, but uh, five bucks a month lets you give us a message to read and uh, shout out. And ten bucks a month, you get to make us watch a horror movie. So thank you very much to Michael Kaiser... 
Paul Moran, Kit Spindler, Paul Bechtel, and Ducky Aisha. We love you all so much. You thank make you my bills much. slightly easier to pay every month. Yes. <laughs> uh, thank you very much to Noisepace.xyz and the great god of the great god among us who can, who pulls the strings on that entire operation, Mr. Matt GameCube himself. Um, we are also very thankful to friend of the show and next week's guest, Seda. Ooh. Uh, for doing our intro and outro music, you can find them uh, making music under the handle People You Meet Outside of Bars. You can check them out at gaygothvibes.online. Yes. Um, um, thank like you to I Sarah said, for editing this episode. <laughs> yes, thank you to me. Um, th- thank you to Blair for editing all the other episodes. Um, this is- Next week's episode, like I said, is going to be Seda joining us to talk about uh, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Yes. Which- Very excited. I, and I've seen the lineup for the rest of the month. Uh, it's so good, you guys. We got, it's so we got good. some bangers. We have some bangers in here. But um, so keep an eye on our Twitter feed. Uh, we will be posting cringe and telling you where to where to watch it at. Uh, keep an eye around Friday. We'll keep you updated there. Oh my God! Sorry. Uh, if you want to hear me, on, if you want to find me elsewhere, you can check me out my other podcast that I do, uh, uh, the Wonder Yerks, which I do with the aforementioned Seda and the currently present Blair. Hello. It's about animorphs, and I'm very, and we love it a lot. And you can also listen to Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die, the leftism podcast for, by, and of the Terminally Online. I was also a guest on uh, other another noise space podcast, um, Jurgen It, the podcast about the secret life of the American teenager recently. And that was mm. a really good, that was a really fun time. Nice. Yeah. Blair, where, where can people find you? I have way less to plug because you can just find me on Twitter, uh, at Blair Kitsch. Um, yep. I just, I post about shipping. Um end of sentence <laughs> find me All there right. well tune in next week when we when we f- dive into the when we dive into the fucking pit of schlocktober but until then i'm sarah i am blair and remember you can put a fucked up guy anywhere do 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 do